Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and we are three weeks away from the largest, biggest, most intense, most insane event in live entertainment, Los Angeles, California, SoFi Stadium, Wrestle-freaking-mania. KP, are you anywhere near as excited as I am about the showcase of the Immortals? Counting down the days, Gravy, counting down the days, especially after Monday Night Raw, some of the matches that were confirmed for WrestleMania. John Cena returning to WrestleMania to take on Austin Theory for the United States Championship. But I'm also stupidly excited for today's show, not only because we're now on YouTube each and every week, and cheers to everybody who went to YouTube and checked us out last week with our interview with Seth Rollins, but I'm stupidly excited by our guest today, the Hall of Famer, the rated R superstar, Edge, is joining us today. And he's become someone that I've just, I've grown a massive amount of admiration for throughout the last couple of years at WWE. He's become nearly a mentor in many ways. I've had a chance to share coffees and breakfast and, and just many chats with him. So really excited to get him on the pod today and, and dive deep with him. Yeah, definitely excited to hear what is on the Hall of Famer's mind as we barrel toward WrestleMania. It seems as though Edge has his sights set on a certain Finn Balor with whom he will stand face-to-face this coming Monday on Raw. Uh, but KP, with all the excitement in the air, I had to step back from things for a little while. And this is going to be more applicable to those who are watching us on YouTube the Monday after this drops. Yeah, where's your fancy studio, bud? Yeah, you may notice the the custom ATB studio is MIA today. <laughs> That's because I am doing my best to decompress to the best of uh, Corey Graves' ability. Decompress here in beautiful Fort Lauderdale, Florida, here in the, uh, the Casa de Romance uh, that, that's what I call it. I'm the only one that calls it that. Not really a whole lot of romance going on. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. It feels to me very much like we truly stepped on the gas toward WrestleMania. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We say that ad nauseum. But this Monday, the entire card really sort of started to take shape. As you mentioned, we now know John Cena and Austin Theory will collide for the United States Championship. First things first, KP, it was your first opportunity as a voice of Monday Night Raw to be in the arena in Boston, Massachusetts, 
for the return of the GOAT, John Cena. And as much as you're smiling right now through my iPad, the grin on your face might have had to be surgically removed Monday night. Talk to me about what you were feeling, experiencing. And I say experience on purpose, experiencing John Cena in person for the first time. Well, first of all, I'm getting chills now when you even bring that up again. All right. So I can vividly remember the moment you did a, a music promo for Becky G uh, at WrestleMania night one. And then at that moment, I thought, all right, I'm not going to say a single thing here, obviously, as we went to a wide shot and then the music hits. And I just took the headphones off and I looked around and Gravy, I, I mean, you should have seen the state of me. I was like a giddy child. Just You did see the state of me. You looked across and laughed I at me. I did see the state of me. <laughs> As Cena comes out and Cena was emotional. I, I was laughing with you. Yeah. John Cena was was feeling it. Like th there was a moment where he had to look down and there was nearly a tear in his eye. He was in his hometown. He, he's from 40 minutes north of TD Garden, you know? And for him to be there, uh, what, three and a half weeks before WrestleMania, that pop inside the, the TD Garden was unbelievable. And then what played out between him and Theory, Theory had the gall, the nerve to go and interrupt John Cena, the greatest of all time, before he even said a damn word inside the ring to his beloved people in Boston. And Theory comes out, the 25-year-old. And I, I just thought, man, the cheek of you, boy, the cheek of you. He comes into the ring. What happened then was just poetry in motion. It was beautiful as, as Cena put Theory in his place. He did. John Cena did put Theory in his place verbally, which should come as no surprise to anybody who's ever watched anything John Cena does. I mean, one of the reasons he is the GOAT is because of his verbal ability. Cena's ability on the microphone is truly second to none. But let's be honest. Austin Theory did not look out of place. Theory may have been put in his place verbally, but Austin Theory, to me, as a lifelong fan of this business, as a guy who's been in this company for, for 11 years, I think, and seen plenty of stars come and go. Theory stood his ground. Theory looked like he belonged in the ring with John Cena. And this is something I want to ask Edge about when he joins the show a little bit later, because Edge worked extensively uh, against Cena. And, and the opportunity in front of Theory now, it is the showcase of the Immortals. It is the grandest stage of them all. It is WrestleMania versus the GOAT. Take the United States Championship out of the picture. And that's not to say that it's not important. But it is less important than just the magnitude of this matchup, because this truly is a star making opportunity, a mega star making opportunity. I have been singing the praises of Austin Theory on this show on Monday Night Raw for, for what feels like two years now. The WWE Universe still finds him a bit polarizing, much like hmm, a young John Cena. But Austin Theory, to me, looked like a star. When you have someone the caliber of John Cena, not just anybody can stand across from him and make you wonder, make you curious, make you believe that, oh, man, maybe Cena has met his match. There aren't many people that have, have done that through history. There's John Cena up here, and there's everybody else. And I love having the YouTube uh, video element of this now because now I can make graphs with my hands as I'm doing right now and people can understand what I'm seeing and what I'm doing and I'm now voguing. Strike pose. Uh, <laughs> so I'm on one, KP. It's your old man gravy dance. I am. I am so... I, I'm <laughs> doing my best to enjoy the, the sunshine here in Fort Lauderdale, which, uh, KP, just for anybody who's thinking of coming to the Fort Lauderdale area in the next, I don't know, three or four days, don't. Uh, unbeknownst to me, spring break. Uh, I, I took a, a, a leisurely... Oh, what the hell is wrong with you? What do you mean, what's wrong with me? I'm, a, I'm an old man. I'm a curmudgeon, KP. 
And and I live or I, Grandpa Simpson over there. I am. I am going to shout at the clouds. I was I was down on Los Olos Boulevard <laughs> with my beloved wife yesterday, wanting to have a nice leisurely lunch, and instead I am met with a flood of human beings, scantily clad, mildly to excessively intoxicated, bodies and people everywhere, and I have never in my life been more miserable. KP, this is how I know I've. Taking that oh, step. do a shot of white and lightning with them and have a bit of fun, will you? I would have rather Lighten been F5 by Brock Lesnar than to mingle with, with the masses <laughs> on, on the beautiful white sand beaches of Los Olas Boulevard. So anyway, I, I, frustration, vacation frustration aside, I'm, I'm still all fired up. We've got Theory. We've got Cena. We found out there is a massive six-woman tag team match taking place as the women's tag team champions Lita and Bailey join forces with Trish Stratus to battle all of damage control. I mean, as this card continues to take shape, there are already two nights. We know that. I'm stepping back and going, how are we going to fit all of this into two nights? There was a, not too long ago, WrestleMania was so stacked, so overwhelming with so many matches. And I'm talking, I'll never forget the, it felt like a 14 hour WrestleMania in New York. I was on the call pretty much the whole time. It was the longest day of my career. Now I'm like, man, should we, should we just roll WrestleMania into Raw on Monday? Because this thing is stacked. Yeah. By the way, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, that's taken another step. And, and there's so much to get to. And forgive me if I'm a little scatterbrained. Hey, Gravy, can I, can I just say that Seth Rollins, Logan Paul yes. is now confirmed as confirmed. well? I mean, that, like, come on, come on, people. Seth Rollins went to sleep on Monday after the right hand of Logan Paul hit him. I mean, that he this guy, Michael Cole always said, all it takes is one lucky punch. There was nothing, nothing lucky about the way Logan Paul sized up Rollins, waiting for that opportunity to connect. And man, did he. Rollins, Logan Paul is going to be epic. I, I looked at you. You were sitting right beside me. And the, the hand speed of Logan Paul should come as no surprise. The guy boxed with Floyd Mayweather and held his own and did not get embarrassed. Logan Paul is the real deal. Seth Rollins is the real deal. But man, I didn't see it coming. I don't know if anybody in TD Garden expected that. I figured we'd have to wait until WrestleMania. But but I love what Logan Paul brought to the table, that he's a special attraction. He's not just going to fight for the sake of fighting. He's going to fight when it counts, when it makes money. It's a, almost a throwback to what this business is all about, ultimately. At the end of the day, as much as we love characters and stories and great matches and fantastic moves, at the end of the day, wrestling and the business is based off of you win the match, so you wait, make more money. You want to be champion because you make even more money. And then you get to do all these other outside opportunities. That's pro wrestling in its essence. It's a fight. It's a combat sport. That's why Kevin Owens is a prize fighter. It, it makes sense. That's what this game truly is about. But as much as it is a return to form as pertains to Seth and Logan, where it's Kienes Mas Macho, who is the better athlete, who's the bigger star, Seth Rollins saying, this is my house, and Logan Paul saying, no, not anymore, dude. It's mine now. I love it. But we would be remiss if we did not talk about how Monday Night Raw went off the air, which is the next. And started, too. Start, it was. It was the bookend. Uh, the question was asked at the beginning of the night. <laughs> it was answered. Jey Uso returns. The bloodline that appeared to be fractured, possibly irreparably, when we started at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. By 11 p.m., we knew. We know where Jey Uso stands. This has got to take a little pressure off of Jimmy Do Uso's we? shoulder. Yes, we know. Do we? Kevin, 
Oh, I don't know, Gravy. I'm watching it back. I'm watching the show back last night and I didn't see it in the moment. But you see, you know, Jey Uso's hugging Sami Zayn and, and he's saying something to him before the, the, the kick to the jaw that knocks Sami out. And I'm just like, oh, is that an interesting wrinkle that we didn't notice in commentary at the time? Or, or that I didn't know. I, I think sure. you were falling victim. Am I reading too much uh, yeah, into I it? Do we need the X-Files music here or what? <laughs> Call Mulder and Scully. Get him on the case. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. I saw those theories floating around the internet. I think everybody's putting a little too much stock into it. I think at the end of the day, it was a nice little beep. If you're going to stick a dagger in somebody's back like Jay did and you hug them, are you not going to have a few final words? Are you not going to try to get them? Because listen, Jay hugged him. Maybe he was saying, hey, when we step back, throw up the one. Because that's what we saw happen. And then, bam, exactly. super kick. It could have been, hey, it could have been Good just call. really, really sticking that hook a little bit deeper into Sammy's jaw before super kicking Sammy's jaw off of his face. To me, there is no cause for concern in the bloodline, within the bloodline as a unit after Monday Night Raw. They've got plenty of threats coming their way. You've got Cody. You've got KO. You've got Sammy all gunning for you. They are absolutely threats to the bloodline. But I don't think now is the time to worry about the fractures in the bloodline. I think it's all a little bit much ado about nothing. Oh, I don't know, man. Well, I, that's my opinion. I don't know. I tell you what, you're, you're, you're currently you're watching Succession, right? I am. I'm watching Yellowstone. All right. In Succession, you've got Logan Roy. In, in, in Yellowstone, you've got John Dutton. And, and both of them, when I watch those shows and think about those shows right now, I can't help but think of Roman Reigns as that similar leader. And all of a sudden, the issues that I'm seeing John Dutton is getting from right, left and center that are stressing him the hell out. Roman Reigns, not so long ago, only had a KO problem to deal with. And all was rosy after Survivor Series. Sami Zayn was, a, was nearly losing the honorary tag as a member of the bloodline. And, and things were looking good. It was just a KO problem. One problem that Roman felt he could deal with. And all of a sudden, then the Sami problem came about. The Cody problem has been escalated now. And one thing we didn't see, at least I didn't see it again, I can't speak for you, on Monday night with the backstage with Rick Boogs and Bronson Reed, was in the background, Cody Rhodes is having a heated conversation with Kevin Owens. Where is that going right now? Because Roman Reigns could have bigger issues if Cody Rhodes gets KO on side because we saw Cody come to the aid of Sami Zayn. So is there some sort of an alliance there? And will Cody help mend the fence between Sami and KO? I don't know if I agree with you. I think Roman Reigns may have bigger problems down the road here if Cody gets his way. They're all external problems is my point. I agree with you. I think if somehow... Cody manages to get himself and Owens and Zayn on the same page. A united front is what it's going to take to knock off the bloodline, to beat Roman Reigns. My point is, this is not the time to focus on the turmoil within the bloodline. Because to use your own example, if we're talking Yellowstone, Jamie Dutton exists. But at the end of the day, when John needs something done, Jamie's there begrudgingly. But Jamie's there. I'm not going to get too deep into it because I know that you haven't gotten the whole way through. So I'm not going to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. on, on the succession, 27 episodes on the succession <laughs> side of things, uh, you, you've got Kendall Roy, right? Kendall Roy is, is the black sheep of the family. But when it comes down to family, family is why the business is the way it is in both Yellowstone and succession and the bloodline. Family is why Roman is so well insulated. Why Roman is where he is. Family is why Roman got to where he is. And I'm talking about bursting through the doors back in the days of FCW. That counts for a lot. It's not like Ro Roman is the head of the table. Roman is not the patriarch of the family. 
this is deeper. This is bigger picture than just within the confines of WWE. It is a great parallel to draw to succession to Yellowstone. We know Roman sits at the top of the, at the head of the table at the top of the mountain. Between now and WrestleMania, I'm not worried. Maybe the Raw after, but right now, I'm good. I'm good. I'm taking a deep breath. I'm looking forward. There's a lot of people seeking the approval of the tribal chief. An awful lot of people seeking the approval of John Dutton and Logan Roy as well. There are there are easy comparisons to make there, but you're absolutely right. I think I think Monday night ultimately was a massive night for the bloodline. Roman Reigns put out the deadline of Friday to get Jey Uso back within the bloodline. Jay appeared late. You and I did not have to say a word on commentary. It was one of those moments where I'm looking at you, you look at me and we're like, we can't add to this in any way. And I don't want to take away from this. This is Shakespearean stuff before our very eyes on Monday night, which was just an epic moment to be part of. I can't wait to see the next wrinkle in the story. Hopefully tonight is the night, this being Friday, when ATB audio version drops. Hopefully tonight's the night the weight is lifted from Jimmy Uso. Jimmy and Jay hopefully reunite, head into WrestleMania as tag team champions as a cohesive unit. Uh, There are a lot more questions to be answered. We will be back next week with plenty of new questions as we barrel toward Los Angeles. But this Monday night, there is a question that must be answered. Will or will not Finn Balor accept the challenge that has been laid out by our guest at this time? I cannot wait. We will get our answer Monday night, hopefully after you watch ATB on YouTube. So you've got to really absorb the, the positive vacation vibes of CG and we will uh, I'm completely I, this is what happens when I talk too much KP I'm talking myself into a circle and I can't remember where I started so at any yeah, point now I'm enjoying it and, no I'm enjoying you're gonna it. let me sweat you're gonna let me just I'm staring at the clouds <laughs> help me out KP let's be having them let's be having them the rated R superstar the Hall of Famer Edge is on ATB All smiles here as we welcome in Edge. What an absolute honor it is to have the Hall of Famer here on ATB. Edge, you're in the mountains. Graves is on the beach. We're making this happen here today. How are you? I'm good. I apologize for any technical difficulties or glitches. I am a technical caveman and I live in the mountains. (laughs) So usually they have to send a, like a, a, pigeon up to send me my messages if they want to get anything to me i don't even look in the raven (laughs) please don't send him but listen you're bringing the positivity (laughs) graves has already been telling us about shouting at the clouds edge you know he's been screaming at the clouds down there in fort lauderdale at these spring breakers it's a curmudgeon party today on atv Ah, those, those pesky <laughs> Hey, we're really looking forward to Monday night to see what plays out. You are going to return to Monday Night Raw and you've got a message for Finn Balor. But take us back here a little bit because yourself and your, your beautiful wife, Beth Phoenix, you put away the Judgment Day at Elimination Chamber. You're then on the hunt for gold once more in a United States Championship match with Austin Theory. It looks like you're about to claim the championship. And damn it, Finn Balor out of nowhere comes and spoils your plans. And I think you've got plans for Balor now, don't you? I mean, it didn't look like I was going to beat Austin Theory. I was going to beat Austin Theory. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's been a year now um, when we, you know, kind of first conceptualized the idea of the Judgment Day. It was, it was over a year ago now. Um, and uh, it, it really started at, at WrestleMania. And, um, the night that, you know, priest and I kind of first joined together and that became the initial nucleus of what this thing was, 
but then it's turned into something entirely different and 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 better honestly it uh where it's at now was the goal that i had in mind you know i, I really thought the concept of the judgment day the idea behind it was here's these really talented individuals who i truly felt weren't getting the opportunity that they deserved and if they got that opportunity that they could fly with it they could run with it whatever analogy you want to use i i'd been watching them all since nxt and uh kind of kept tabs on them and kept my eye on them you know all these these years so when i was asked about starting a group and you know was asked who would be in it the the first names i said were priest ripley balor and um you know it, it changed and it morphed and it, it it went through a lot of different permutations now to see what it has grown into uh sans edge and not with edge as direct opposition is really kind of fascinating to see uh, did you ever envision it reaching this point i mean no honestly i i honestly thought maybe we would get to this part of the story now you just have to make do and figure it out and thankfully they were given the reins to take this in in a different direction, in an entirely different direction than it would have with Edge at the helm. Uh, again, because with Edge at the helm, it's swimming upstream because we're trying to get an audience to turn on a character, but they know the backstory to this character. They know the real life story behind this character. They know Adam's story. So it's like, well, we don't really want to hate this guy because he fought back for something that he wanted to get back and right he's also doing something that nobody's ever done before he's wrestling with a triple fusion in his neck like no one has ever done that so it can be hard to hate that and i was trying i was trying every every little like old school heel trick of the book i was trying like calling them cheeto eating bastards and whatever else but it just wasn't it it wasn't gonna work it, it um it might have eventually with more time but it would have taken a lot more work. Whereas Balor, not being as firmly established, even though he's established, not 25 years of equity within the company. Because right. this June was is the 25-year anniversary of my TV debut. So you got to figure, like, people have grown up watching me. Now they're bringing their kids and they're saying to their kids, hey, check this guy out. He was, he was there when I was a kid. <laughs> That's where I'm at now. So... You have to look at it and 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 kind of um, work with what you got. And and thankfully, all four of them, with the addition of Dom, have taken this thing in completely different directions. I think they're being more themselves. And when you can be more yourself, then chances are it's going to work because you're going to inject the actual person behind the character with with some reality, with some truths, with some actual interests, with the way you would actually speak. And that, to me, is absolutely key. Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. It's hard for me to see the Judgment Day in 2023, especially when you're involved either as part of it or in opposition to it and not draw a few parallels to, to the brood, which has got to be argued was a vehicle that really helped launch edge into another stratosphere. You came in on your own, but it really feels like you found your stride alongside Christian. And then you factor in the Hardys to the equation and, and even Freebird and Gangrel and, and all the different iterations of and surrounding the brood. Was there any sort of conscious decision to, to use that template in the judgment day or did it just sort of happen but naturally? That was absolutely the template. Um, when I was first approached with the idea of starting a group, the, the initial pitch was, want a new brood? Who would that be? And um, I said, well, you know, Priest and Ripley. To me, that just visually, but also from a talent perspective, that makes sense. And that those three, that's a visual that I can, okay, now I start picturing the entrances and let's get a spotlight. And I got a song, it's called The Other Side and it will fit the story. And so start putting all those pieces together and the addition of Dom to this thing, just, just such a, just a, a stroke of, of genius, honestly, because, you know, it was Dom, the missing ingredient. Nobody realized they needed. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. And, and I think from it, Dom has been able to grow into such uh, just a, a major part of making this thing work. And if you had told any of us at WrestleMania of last year, oh, yeah, by the way, they're all going to turn on you. Finn Balor is going to cause it to happen. Then Dom is going to join and become possibly the most despised character on the roster. Is that what it was? in direct contrast to what you said about yourself earlier. No one wants to boo the Hall of Famer. No one wants to boo the guy who has a real-life comeback story. Everyone on Earth wants to and believes in their heart of hearts they can kick Dominic's ass. Is that why this works? Because now he he casts that shadow over the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley's cool. You want to root for Rhea. She's a big badass chick who, who looks cool and beats people up. What is to root against? But then you oppose her with Dominic, and then it's Correct. like... Oh, God dang, man. Well, and let's face it. Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley can all go. All animals in the ring. All have a great look. Talented. Can, can do it all. Not saying Dom can't, but in a lot of people's eyes, they go, well, Dom's there because of Ray. Right? So there's always that floating above him, too. Right, right, right. But, it's easy nepotism. Yeah. Yeah. But this turns it on its head, and it's like, well, actually, Dom's going to be just fine on his own and you're going to hate it because of all of those layers going into it. it. It's, I mean, that's been, I think the, the, 
one of the happiest surprises out of the whole thing is just to see where that has gone and, and uh, what it adds to the show, too. It adds to the group, but it also adds to the totality of the show. And and I'm strangely so proud that the Judgment Day has become such a, an important cog in the machine of Raw and SmackDown, for that matter. Beautifully said. And going back to the Dom thing, I, I think it's impossible to... When you're looking around the arena, and Dom is in the arena too, it's the fact that he's with Rhea Ripley. It's the fact that he's going out with Rhea for everybody, men and women, looking at him going, not just that you're part of the judgment there, you're raised. So you're going out with Rhea Ripley? How's he got Rhea Ripley? Is that the same reason everybody hates me, KP? I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly right, Corey. Exactly right. Hey, Edge, when we look forward, though, and look back a little bit, so beyond the origin of the judgment day and where it went, maybe by accident rather than design, to Elimination Chamber. Yourself and Beth Phoenix, your wife, two Hall of Famers in the ring. When we look at the totality of the story to this point, you wouldn't change a thing, would you? Because you've had those special moments with your wife. Absolutely not. You know, secretly, well, actually, maybe not so secretly, I've kind of engineered this thing to get Rhea and Beth face-to-face in the ring as many times as I could. Because I finally admitted it. I mean... (laughs) If I'm being perfectly honest, like I've, okay, how do I, okay, here. And there we go. And I probably shouldn't say this, but in the I quit match, I'm handcuffed to the ropes. I'm sore. I've just been hit by a kendo stick like 52 times. And, and I've just flown overnight from Vancouver where I wrapped on Percy Jackson at 1 a.m., hopped on a jet, landed in Philly at 10.45, went, I didn't sleep for two days, got to the hotel, got Beth, went straight to the building. I'm handcuffed there, running on 60 hours of no sleep. And when they went face to face and I saw the crowd come up, I was smiling like a little kid that just got the toy that he wanted for Christmas. And there's, there's multiple layers to that. A, I know that one of the, the women that influenced Rhea and showed her that she could do this was Beth. And I knew that Beth didn't get the opportunity because the opportunities weren't there for the female division to have those moments when she was wrestling. So now it's changed. The landscape has changed. And now the women get those opportunities. So I thought, Oh my God, if we could get this and, the story's there. We're married. It makes sense. Like, what other way do you get Edge to say I quit? Well, that's how emotionally, psychologically. So it just all lent itself to that that kind of pinnacle. And to, to have those moments together as sports entertainers, wrestlers, um, have them together. And, and for me, it's so much, it's so special to watch Beth get these moments now because she deserves them. And it, the landscape was just so different then. And she was one of the ones that kept that torch barely going all those years. So now I feel like this is back pay. This is her time to, as the kids say, get their flowers. One of those kids. But, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I, that, that just, man, I'm ecstatic when I see it. You know, and and when I see them in there friggin' slugging away and then the next week bruises all over because they're just in there like going. It's a blast. And to do that in Montreal, yeah. I mean, we never thought we'd get a chance to team ever. And then the Mike and Maurice opportunity came up. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Right. And here we are almost a year later 
over a year later and and we're doing it again and we're doing it against these people and these talent that I thought were underutilized and now we're doing that. Ah, it's just, it, it really feels good, honestly. Just a level deeper, if I can, on 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 Beth, just for a second here, because I had a chance to have to have dinner with yourself yeah. and Beth a few weeks ago, and she started telling us about you know the Girl Scout cookies and everything going on at your kid's school, and I'm listening to this and I'm just blown away by the level of involvement with the local school and the kids. And then she becomes this ultimate badass and totally transforms. And, and she, Beth, Beth took, took to Instagram and she said, on Saturdays, I'm selling Girl Scout cookies with Lyric. On Mondays, I'm an apocalyptic Viking, considering combining the two. I mean, Graves at Edge, like how cool is Beth Phoenix? I'd like, go to a lot more school board meetings if it were like that. <laughs> yeah. It, it is so funny. Like you should see the, the, the other parents when we do pickup. So they, they, I don't think they fully grasped, you know, cause none of them had never really watched until they kind of met us. Now they have watch parties and we get back the next day and they're like, what are you two? You know, like, it, but that's that school, you know, with our friend Casey painting the entire school and giving the entire school a facelift. Her and Lyric sold 240 boxes of Girl Scout cookies and then Lyric was the top earner and now she's going to a water park for free for a day. Like, it, it's just, you know, we're heavily involved in our girls' lives. Like, we go read books to the classes every Friday. We, we just love being involved. We're those parents. It just so happens that those parents also are post-apocalyptic Vikings on television. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. It's I have to ask, I, you, you've talked right through it and you were mentioning uh, Elimination Chamber, but what does Edge have to do with Percy Jackson? So, so I ended up, yeah, I've been still been taking the occasional auditions if I think in, in terms of time frame that it could possibly pan out. And I mean, thankfully, gosh, the company has been so good with me throughout it all and, and making sure that the time can be carved out to, to make certain things happen. So I, I read for, uh, to play Ares, the God of war on, uh, you know, Disney plus are doing a Percy Jackson television series. And the author of the books is also an executive producer. He's on board. He wasn't on board with the movies. He's on board with this. He wrote some of the script. Oh, okay. So the fan base is like, right. Rick's involved. This is going to be the way Rick wanted it. So I read for it, forgot about it as you do with auditions. That's just what you do. And then I guess about two months later, I had a Zoom meeting with all the executive producers and they said, okay, when you get out to Vancouver, and I went, oh, I, I got it. And they're like, yeah. I went, oh, crap. I better talk to everybody then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then thankfully, everybody just, we were able to figure it out and make it work within the story. And um, if anything, it added gas to the judgment day because you know from um the i quit match i i really did the bulk of my work for percy jackson but e even like the week before the i quit match i was out in vancouver filming all, all that week uh, a month actually it, it was it was such a blast and, and if you had told me at 49 years old that i'm going to be working for the wwe and disney at the same time come on yeah like <laughs> I, I've, I've been so lucky and there's been work involved. Don't get me wrong, but I, I've done so many things that I can check off a list that wouldn't have even been on the list because I would assume they're absolutely impossible. Right. Yet 
they are, you know, like that. Or teaming with Hulk Hogan on the 4th of July and winning the tag team. But like, what? come on. And that didn't even dawn on me until we were in Boston the other day. And I'm talking to Carmelo and I'm talking to Ali and we're sitting there talking. I'm like, we're just talking about my, they were asking me questions and everything. I was like, oh, I won the tag belts with Hogan here. <laughs> That's right. And they're like, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that happened. You're mentioning a lot of stuff going on in your life or your career that has has to be draw parallels uh, in people's minds to somebody else who just returned Monday night, uh, someone who you have spent a great deal of your career battling with and against, John Cena. What does it mean to you to be at this stage in your career? John has been a guy who has been very open and honest about paying forward and carrying on the legacies of this business and teaching the younger guys. You obviously find yourself in an almost identical role, if not more more regular than John Cena these days. But but take a step back for a minute and kind of look at the landscape. And what does it mean to be, to your point, at 49 years of age in this position where you're still on top of the game, you're branching out into other games, but the soul of the game is still ultimately what keeps you waking up in the morning? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is my first love. Always has been, always will be. Nothing will ever be able to say that. I love acting. Not as much as I love being a wrestler and, and performing for the WWE. It's just it, for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I, Corey, I think you know the reason. You can't really explain it. It's just, it's just there the first time you see it. And that's it. You're hooked. And now the fact that I got this thing back, right, after nine years, because after nine years, it's not that ship has sailed and it's not on the horizon. It is gone so to get it back but but one of the things uh, there's a few things so i had a list of guys that i was like okay i'd love to work these people and if i can help some of these people along the way to again try and push the future forward and i've been able to check off a lot a lot of those names on the list uh you know and a lot of those names really don't need my help but if they can pick up something well then great honestly more than anything i feel like the 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 mentorship in the locker room you know, I, I feel like the locker room knows I am a safe guy to go to, to pick my brain. I'm not sequestered in my own locker room. You know, I, I change with everybody else. I, I don't, you know, I put myself out there to say, hey, if, if you're thinking of something, just come ask me, you know, um, whether you want to try it after you ask me, that's up to you. But again, like the other day, sitting there with Carmelo and Ali, and we sat there and talked for an hour and they just picked my brain. And I loved it. It was so much fun and so nice to see these guys at that stage of their career. And I remember being at that stage and being just oblivious as to what to do. Wait, how, how, do I, how do I get a foothold here? How do I make this work here? I, I mean, I can wrestle. I can do moves. But that's not going to cut it. So what is it that I need to do? There wasn't really anybody. I mean, I'm sure if you asked, guys would have helped you. But the environment was a little different then. It was uh, right. locker room was a bunch of great whites and it forced you to figure it out. But I feel like why not try and give some helping hands if we can. Right. So rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I love just being in there. And, and that was one of the things I missed being away was the locker room and just sitting there and, and having great conversations and kvetching or making fun of each other, busting each other's chops. But this layer of being able to like maybe throw some, some pearls of 
I don't know if wisdom <laughs> is what I have, but uh, experience at least uh, at, at this this whole new era. And, and for me personally, gosh, I, when I think back to like this is kind of my fourth generation of people that I've faced in a way, you know, because yeah, I can still date back to like I wrestled the missing link. Yeah, and you also wrestled the Road Warriors and completely forgot about it again. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with my? <laughs> It wasn't until I saw a clip on Instagram and it's like me and Gangrel versus the Road Warriors in Puerto Rico. And I'm like, oh my God, oh yeah, that happened. So to go through all of that and Terry Funk, I took a pile driver in Memphis from Jerry Lawler. I wrestled Hacksaw Jim Duggan and I hit him with his two by four. But I've also been in there with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and Triple H and Randy Orton and John Cena and now Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. And it, it's... um. It's really fun. It, it, it's, it's really, really fun. I don't know how else to put it and except that I know I got the best job in the world for me. And I don't take it for granted. I can't take it for granted, especially after that sure. nine years. It really, really gave me such an appreciation for how much I dig this. You know, and it's easy. It's easy when you're in the grind of 220 shows a year to get a little desensitized, to get kind of just numb to it because you're in an airport again and da 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 you know, and, and it's Groundhog Decade. So I get it. Not having it for almost a decade really made me appreciate it. And man, I'm just, I'm having a blast. And I think, I think our audience reads that. They might not necessarily know why, but they can tell, okay, that dude is having fun and he loves what he's doing. And hopefully if you throw that at them, they'll throw it back tenfold. And that seems to kind of be the reciprocal relationship that, that I have with the audience now. We know you did a great deal of media and interviews when you initially returned a couple of years back and how unlikely that was, how impossible it truly seemed to be. Now you've been back in it for a while. You're comfortable. This is a, a regular occurrence seeing Edge on TV. And it may not be every week, but you're, you're back in the grind to an extent. In hindsight, what did you learn during your time away, whether that be from dabbling in the, the acting world or, or uh, what did you experience in that time away where now you can say, all right, I applied that or that is what helped me add this new layer to edge or, or succeed in this new era that maybe you wouldn't have had when you were just full time wrestler prior to the injury? I, I think more than anything, the acting, but but also just the trials and tribulations of life. I've. Everything that I experienced in those nine years, having the career yanked out from under me, losing my mom, losing Beth's dad, having two kids, that's all life. And life lives here. And this is what people attach to. This is what makes money in our industry. All the rest of the moves in the world, they don't make money. It's the person doing the move that can make the money, that can elicit the reaction. If you got somebody who's over, they can do a big boot and a leg drop and the place is going to go nuts. You can do a shooting star press. If they don't know what this is, they're not going to care or they'll care for a second, but then what's next? And I think I had a, a knowledge of that before I had to retire, but tenfold since coming back. And, and more than anything now, I think Edge and Adam aren't that far apart. I think a lot of what you see out there is Adam. It's just kind of unfiltered. When I do that entrance, man, that's me. That's me having a blast. That's me just going, damn, I get to do this awesome gig again. 
And so there's no, there's nothing forced. There's nothing phony. You know, sometimes I have to throw the pro wrestling in there and I have to growl or yell or things like that to, to, you know, get the point across. But I always make sure, and I tell young talent this as well, and they're all probably going to, if they're watching this, they're going to be going, no, okay, we've heard them say that. In every promo that I do, I make sure that I have an element of truth. So I, I will always make sure to, to craft something that has elements that Adam believes in. And if I have those, then I can say what Edge needs to say from the pro wrestling side of things to make it sound legit. And I think those are the things that I've added since coming back that I didn't necessarily have before. Before, Edge was strictly a character. And I, I just have injected much more of Adam into the character of Edge now to where it's not that far apart. I, you know, I don't attack people in the streets, you know, and I don't wear, you know, a, a, <laughs> a, a post-apocalyptic you know, trench coat that weighs 45 pounds in my everyday life. <laughs> When's the last time you put on a pair of vinyl pants? <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know what? I have every stitch of clothing from The Brood, from ENC. I have oh, man. Dude, dude, I, have, I got 30 suits made for the Judgment Day. 30 custom-made suits. You don't want to know what it cost. And nope. I've been able to wear like <laughs> eight of them. Yeah, yeah. When am I going to wear these oh, things? Oh, man. They're, they're they're spectacular. They're beautiful, but you don't wear them to like watch your kids perform Shakespeare at school. Like, yeah, yeah. What am I going to wear? That'd them? be fun, though. Maybe at the, you yeah, should it would do be it. Fun. it would. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honestly, Edge, I, I think you know, listening to this conversation, I, I think I'd speak on behalf of the entire WWE universe when I say thank you, thank you for 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 many things, for the advice that you're giving the younger superstars now, the advice that you give me on a weekly basis when we have our chats about even commentary, things like that, what you've given to the industry and continue to give. When you look at where you are right now, you mentioned you're 49 years of age. Graves and I had the pleasure of calling a United States championship match with a young phenom in Austin Theory a few weeks ago. And you looked out of this world at 49 years of age, nearly the double the age of Theory, um, who's set to go to WrestleMania against John Cena soon. What's the secret? What is the secret for you? How do you live your life? And what is the secret sauce behind a 49-year-old looking that damn good inside a WWE ring? Oh, gosh. Honestly, I think the, the main, the main ingredient is that I love what I'm doing. Honestly, you know, I realize how rare that is in life that you found this thing as a child and you went after it and got it. Not a lot of people can say that. And I, and I know that, and I realize how odd that is. You know, a lot of the guys I grew up going to school with, you know, they're working jobs that they don't enjoy and they're, they're kind of grumpy and they're not happy. And man, it, I, as much as I don't enjoy flying, um, man, I get to that arena and I'm just, you know, I, I, I got ideas and I got, you know, um, I think that's the main ingredient. And, and, you know, a, a very wise man once told me motion is lotion. And as long as I keep moving, then I, I can keep moving. And, and now I also have, you know, take care. I have self-care now, you know, I have 
I bought a sauna and I'm getting a cold plunge. And, you know, I built a gym in the house so that I can get out there every day. Even if it's not a workout day, then I'm going to stretch and I'm going to work my core. And those are things I didn't have time to do before or was just too damn sore to do because it's the grind of 220 shows a year or whatever it is. Now with my schedule, it makes it much easier to pull off the things that I need to be able to do. That being said, I had two matches in three days in like 15 years. So that match with theory, like, okay, this might be interesting. I don't know. And I think more than anything for me now, the question is when I don't want to get to the point where a guy like theory looks and sees that he's wrestling edge and goes, Oh man, this is going to be hard. I don't want to get there. I still want it to be exciting. I still want to be able to, to go out and perform for the audience and perform up to the standards that I've set for myself. I think the minute I can't perform up to those standards is the, or the, is the day when I finally go, okay, right, I, I, got, I got to do it. Or hopefully I feel it coming before that. But I, I think if there's a secret sauce to, you know, to doing it still, hopefully at the level that I want, it's just that I'm having so much damn fun. Love that beautiful answer. I love it. Well, we're having fun on the journey with you. Before we let you go, Edge, Monday you have called out Finn Balor on Monday Night Raw. Give us a little hint, a little taste, a little preview of what we, the WWE Universe, can expect from the Rated R Superstar on the road to WrestleMania. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, when I look at, at the totality of since I've come back, right? Came back to the Royal Rumble. Had that experience that I'll never forget. Then, worldwide pandemic. And if I'm looking at it selfishly, about a year of my comeback was in front of no one except people watching at home. Bigger things, I get it. But in just looking at it, I'm like, man, gosh, okay, a year of this has been in front of no audience. Now, a year of this comeback has been spent with Judgment Day. And it's time to move past it. It's time to get to the next step of what this comeback is. And it's, you know, we're four years into it now. I, I know the window's closing and it's closing fast. So I got to get done what I need to get done. And I can't get it done while still in this, you know, um, this blood feud with the judgment day. So it's got to end, you know, and, and we got to see it through to, to the, the climax, like, like any good movie, like any good story, it's it's time to finish this. And that's the plan Monday is to finish it. So if you can finish it and get rid of Finn Balor, I, I have to go back to Seth freaking Rollins was on our show here on ATB last week. And he happened to slip in a little golden nugget saying that he's not through with you, Edge. What is your response to Seth? I mean, I, I think Seth Rollins is a guy that will never fully be through with each other. And I think part of the reason it's because we're so damn similar. We look at things in a very similar way. You know, he's carved his own path. So don't take this comment and I'm sure they'll clickbait it and run with it. But to me, if I look at it and if I make the comparisons to rosters of yesteryear, like he is the rated R superstar of now. He is firmly his own thing. Don't get me wrong. He's carved his own path. But if you were trying to draw comparisons to previous generations, which always seems to be the case, he's he's in that ballpark anyway. And to me, he's also quite possibly the most entertaining thing on our shows. And, and that's been for a long time. Um, he brings it no matter how tired, no matter how beat up, no matter how sore and uh, he, he's a workhorse, but he's a workhorse that has so many layers. And, um, 
I just, uh, you know, to be honest, anytime I can get in there with him, I know what it feels like. We both know what it feels like. The minute we touched, I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. All right. We, we got something here. And um, so, hell yeah. I mean, I'd do that in a heartbeat. You know, we, we, we had a trilogy. That doesn't mean it can't be more. I will not argue that point in any way, shape, or form. In fact, we have a bad habit here on After the Bell of speaking things into existence. So I'm going to do my best to speak a at least a fourth, if not a fifth, sixth, seventh, out of Rollins versus Edge. Adam, thank you so much for your time this morning, man. I, I We appreciate I echo KP's sentiments about the thanks and giving you your flowers while you're still here to receive them. Uh, but I, I'm excited watching the work be done, man. I, I value our, our Monday conversations as much as anything. And uh, hopefully the, the, the ATB listeners got a little glimpse as to what uh, KP and I are privy to on Mondays in TV Locker. Well, and, and I want to also thank you guys because, and if there's any younger talent listening that don't already do this, you guys are the vehicle for us. You are our voices to get the intricacies and the layers of story that we might not be able to get across. You can hammer those home for us. So Michael Cole will tell you, I think me and Cena have bugged him the most over the years, adding those layers and adding those, those different points of story that we want to get out there that we might not be able to translate through physicality. So thank you guys. And, uh, and I love sitting down and just, um, either kvetching or acting like grumpy old men. I love it. It's great. Oh, we're not <laughs> acting, my friend. It's be, it's become the reality. I have embraced it. <laughs> yeah. Suburban dot over here, too. <laughs> uh, next week on ATB, three old men kvetching. <laughs> You're the best, Edge. Thank you, you, Matt. Thanks, guys. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search After the Bell and smash that follow button so you never miss an episode. Make sure you are watching because now full episodes of ATB are on the official WWE YouTube channel every Monday. Uh, so that includes this one. So get your eyes on the rated R superstar and the handsome devils known as KP and gravy. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol and more WWE after the bell. <laughs>